Hayes, Alexander, Shabbat for three, bang, oh! will get it for the win. What's going on, guys? Welcome to Time Dropper for another 2021-22 post-game recap. Before we get started, please make sure to subscribe on YouTube at Time Dropper Podcast, Apple Podcasts, follow us on Spotify, and of course to follow me on all social media platforms at Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Dime Dropper Pod. Wow. Tonight was crazy. It's going to be a lot to get into. 35-point comeback. From the comeback kings themselves, the L.A. Clippers, who are now, in my humble opinion, in my very non-biased opinion, the greatest comeback franchise in NBA history. All right, you know, get some pushback from Rockets fans because they come back from 2-3-1 leads and Celtics fans, I guess, they've come back from 2-3-1 leads, but I do not care. Uh, we have the largest comeback in playoff history. We now have the largest comeback in the 21st century. Largest since 1996, they said tonight. We topped our own record for the largest comeback in NBA history that night in Oakland when we beat the Warriors in Game 2 of the 2019 first round because of the 2012 Game 1 comeback in Memphis. Everything changed that night, I guess, with Memphis. Because we've just had, oh, we've blown our fair share of leads. But especially in recent Clipper history, and I'm talking, I wouldn't even say history, last three years, last four years, I could say, the comebacks have been off the charts. Tonight was no different. But let's talk about how we dug ourselves in that hole. Playing the Washington Wizards tonight, Marcus Morris Sr. missed the game for personal reasons. And Marcus Morris Sr., you know, condolences to him. I saw that he lost a friend. He posted on Instagram about it. And Senior didn't play. I think he gave it a go the other day against New York on Sunday. And he just was 0 for 6, as I said, and just didn't look into it. And I never even thought for a second, like, maybe his mind's not right. And I think that's probably why he did not play tonight. So, like, my bad, you know, on that. Sometimes I just get so caught up in the game that I don't even think of that type of stuff. But, yeah, you know, shout out to Marcus Morris Sr. I hope he comes back. But Terrence Mann started instead of him. You know, Amir Coffey is consistent. If you haven't been watching Clipper games lately, Amir Coffey's been starting lately, and he's been playing the best basketball of his career. And tonight, ooh, he built off that. But the Wizards threw all the first punches. If I didn't know any better, I would think our whole team was out partying until 3 a.m. last night because they looked second to every loose ball. They just looked a little lackadaisical, but it was a little bit like they were trying, but they just didn't have the juice compared to the Wizards. And a person that really impressed me for the Wizards tonight, Kyle Kuzma. You know, this is a guy that we've watched extensively in the Dime Dropper era and since he's been in Los Angeles, because you know I always watch Laker games. But obviously, since I've started Dime Dropper basically every game when he was with the Lakers last season and the season before that in the bubble, and pre-bubble, this guy was starting to become a guy who thought whenever LeBron passed in the ball, I'm going to shoot a contested three. I'm just going to shoot the three no matter if it's contested or not. He started to feel that pressure that everybody feels with LeBron. When he passed you the ball on a kick, you got to shoot it, even if it's not there. And Kuz 
got put in that box. He really did. His confidence tonight. And let me let me just say this though. Kuz in the bubble, he redefined himself. Like when he first came to LA from Utah, he was just a bucket getter. Like he was just a shot maker and he didn't do anything else very well, but he got better at passing here and there. But what really changed in his game in that 2020 season, especially in that bubble, but it was really right before the bubble, I believe, was when he was like, okay, I'm not going to get the same amount of touches and shots. He became more of like a grit guy. Like, it's crazy to say that because this is the guy that wears the pink stuff, uh, pink, uh, you know, the crazy stuff. Like, he's a, he's an interesting guy, Kuz. But he was really playing like that guy that was going for offensive rebounds, playing tough defense, do, getting a bunch of offensive rebounds, if I can just say that. Just doing the little things. And I saw a little bit of that tonight, but I also saw a confident offensive player that came out on the first possession and was like shimmy shake, turn over my right shoulder, eight feet away, bucket. And I was like, okay, okay. And he was just sharp. At one point, it was just, this was in the second half, but he screamed. Bradley Beal was isolated on the left wing, and the Clippers were loading up. And Denny Avdia was kind of clogging the spacing and just getting right into the a lane, the lane left side of the court that Beal was going to drive into. And Kuz screamed. I could hear it. He said, Get out the way. Denny Avdia moved to the middle, flashed to the middle. Beal hit him right around the basket, and he scored. And I was like, damn, bro. That's like some, not going to lie, that's some LeBron shit. Like, he may have learned a thing or two. Um, but, man, I'm not going to give LeBron all the credit also because, dude, this guy, he's been freed from the shackles of the of the, the system. And he's been he looks he looked really good. Also, I just thought the Wizards played really well just to start overall with their energy. Like Gafford, he's an energetic player, and Bradley Beal. So my friend Chris, shout out to my friend Chris that's in this live right now. Uh, he's from out here in Virginia, D.C. area, and he has been telling me that Beal has just not been as great this year. But it's also been you know a new coach thing. And by the way. Shouts out to Wes Unsel Jr., who I got to see tonight for the first... Like, I haven't really watched a full Wizards game this year, to be honest, you know? And last year, they were a dime dropper team because I wanted to watch them with Russ. But this year, I didn't think they were going to be that good. And they have a lot of cast of characters. I was clearly too low on them. But, you know, I'm, I'm, it's not like I dislike the team. Wes Unseld is obviously a key, a key player in the era that I'm on right now in the timeline in 1971. Just won MVP two seasons ago. You know, he, I, this was the first time I got to have a good look at his son. He looks, he actually does look like him. Like, he, it's not like Silas. Paul Silas, I don't, I just don't see it. Gary Payton's kid, I just don't see it except maybe the nose. But this, this guy looked like, like Wes Unseld. And shout out to, shout out to the great Wes Unseld. Uh, we will continue to make more content on him as the time goes on. And by the way, if you want to talk about this kind of stuff or talk basketball tomorrow, tomorrow is my space, Dimes Banks, my off day from work. Wednesday, 11 a.m. Pacific time, 2 p.m. Eastern. Anything you want to talk about basketball. We've had some great speakers talking in the history of basketball, West Unsold era. But we also want to hear from you also if you want to talk about your team or anything of the modern era. This has been one of the this is craziest MVP conversations in, in my time watching basketball. Uh, so it's, it's been having people divided. But let's get back into this stuff, right? So the Wizards threw it, punched us in the face. I thought as far as looking at it from a Clipper perspective, Reggie Jackson, Ivica Zubats, and Nico Batum combined for one of 15 from the field. I thought Terrence Mann and Amir Coffey had some pretty good energy, but overall we were just not hacking it. I thought Brandon Boston Jr., Reggie Jackson actually got some good looks. Like I thought we were getting good looks in the first half. Uh, like not as good of looks as the Wiz, but we were coming off, like Reggie Jackson and Brandon Boston Jr. came off some screens for some really simple, 
you know, easy mid-ranges, or I shouldn't say easy, but shots that I would expect them to hit, they weren't hitting, you know, and the Wizards were hitting, like, they were just knocking shots down, Kuz was knocking shots down, Hachimura came in, he only played 13 minutes, and Please give me some context, Wizards fans. Chris, if you're in the comments, give me some context about Rui Hachimura. Has he been getting a lot of minutes this season? What's his deal? Is he developing the right way? Because I really like Rui. I have I saw potential in him last year. You know, he's got skills, man. But I don't watch the Wizards every every night. I will say this about Unso, too. The reason why I brought him up as well, besides the fact that he looks like his dad. I just noticed a difference in the way the Wizards are playing. Like, I love the pace in which the Wizards were playing in that first half. Like, they pushed the ball. They were taking advantage of every missed shot. They were getting good looks, making our defense work, playing with a lot of energy. And that's what happens when you have a team of, like, young players like that. And Bradley Beal, surprisingly, was really not shooting. And that's something we did not see last year when we watched them, and we have not seen the last couple years. And that's I actually kind of liked it because it was letting everybody eat. And we know Beal can get a bucket when he wants. The thing about Beal is sometimes he can be disengaged on defense. And I just don't really like his body language anymore. Like when he had John Wall on his team, I liked his body language a lot more. And I know some people would say, body language doesn't fucking matter. I think it does when you're the best player on your team. It's something that, you know, you got to be strong. You know what I'm saying? Like you got to look like you're always into the game to me. Or I prefer guys that are usually into the game. And I talked about it last year. If you go back to my recaps last year with Beal, I was saying that like he was scoring 30, but like, it didn't feel like a 30 that even a, even this modern era 30 where like somebody really take finishes the job or or scores in a way that's impacting momentum it's like if you just score here and there you know here's you score here and there to stop the bleeding like like and they still lose it just wasn't really doing anything and i think part of it is because they weren't getting stops like that at that time but when russ came back and he really turned that season around it wasn't really beal like beal was had a great season last year don't get me wrong but russ was the reason that they made the playoffs he was the propeller that galvanized the troops and pushed them to that playoffs and i actually really liked that beal was laying off cuz they were up by 30 points like everybody was doing their thing montrader he was getting into it i almost forgot about that dude uh, but he's had a pretty good season from what I know. You know, the Wizards, yeah, he's averaging 14 and 7. So that's typical Montrader numbers. And I just like the way that the Wizards are playing, moving the ball and everything. Up by 30 points. We only scored 12 points in the second quarter. But in the second half, Ty Lu, this guy just never fails to show me something new. No Zubots, no Batum, no. Reggie Jackson for the rest of the game because we got a game tomorrow in Orlando. Insert Isaiah Hartenstein, Newt Kennard, and Eric Bledsoe. The energy that we played with, you would look like you would have thought you were watching a totally different group of players. Like pressuring every pass, even throwing some full court presses out there which you do not see at the NBA level as much anymore. You see it more in the 60s, 70s, or early 70s as far as I know. I saw it in the 2004 finals as I talked about in my, one of those videos that I made with uh, Oceans about why Kobe lost the two finals. And by the way, I'm not going to go off topic, but tomorrow is the anniversary, two-year anniversary of a very terrible day. Uh, one of the worst days in my life for sure as a basketball fan, as an Angel Angelino. So definitely hope if you want to share some Kobe stories tomorrow, 
join Dimes Bank. But anyway, and I don't know if I'm going live. I do not know the Magic game. But back to what I was saying about the second half. Looked like we were playing like we were a totally different team. Totally different team, pressuring the ball, making the Wizards play a little play faster. But the difference was at our pace because we were scoring. So we were attacking the basket in so many different ways, moving the ball. And what really got us kick-started was Luke Kennard hitting a couple threes. But Amir Coffey and Terrence Mann put so much pressure on the rim. You know, they were catching the ball and they were being decisive with it, whether they were stopping and popping or going all the way. And Isaiah Hartenstein was just incredible in every pick-and-roll damn near. His float shot, he was just going straight up strong to the rim. That push shot, he's, he's fantastic at. Great rolling in general, following up shots, second chance opportunities, uh, even putting him, in, putting him in the high post or the pivot, as they used to call it, you know, Bill Russell roll, by the foul line while everybody cuts, you know, you see Jokic doing that a lot in this era because he's a great passing big, and Isaiah, I'm not saying he's Jokic or Bill Russell passing big, but he has that, like, always looking for cutters, you know, everywhere he is always looking up kind of IQ about him and not to mention he played the whole third quarter and played great defense you know pressuring closing out hard going up vertically which he's fantastic at this like Isaiah is one of the best backup centers we've had in years years guys like that was a that was a role that Kenyon Martin and Reggie Evans did really well for us in 2012. But we really lack that in the rest of Lob City. If you go look at those Lob City teams, and my friend Asher always said that about the Clippers at Lob City, we lacked that nasty. We lacked that guy that's just going to go out the Reggie Evans. You know, we lost Reggie and Kmart, and that's why we lost to Memphis. Isaiah is, even though he's kind of unsuspecting, he's kind of that guy for the Clippers. I mean, we have a lot of them now on our team now, like Terrence Mann, and Isaiah, and you can even argue the brewmaster, like, they just go out there and play hard, they just go out there and play fucking hard, and even senior, too, like, senior, we, I miss Patrick Beverly, he was part of that, too, but senior's one of those guys that, and necessarily a play hard guy every game, but he's, like, a no-nonsense guy, he's the type of guy that if, if your team, like, you're not gonna punk a team with senior on, he's gonna hit you or do something, he's gonna get ejected, he's gonna do that type of thing where he takes one for the team, I just like the, the, the this Clipper team is just different. For example, going back to that backup big thing, Spencer Hawes, Byron Mullins, Ryan Hollins, Roni Terrioff. No, like these guys just didn't cut it. Mo Buckets, different, pick and pop guy. Isaiah, he plays so tough. He was just unbelievable tonight, unbelievable in that comeback. Terrence Mann started knocking down shots, threes, pull up mid-range. Amir Coffey, constant pressure at the rim, and it's the turnovers that killed the Wizards. I don't remember exactly who was doing them ex- because I'm looking at it from a very Clippers-centric view. But, you know, Kuz had four turnovers, Beal had five turnovers, and Dinwiddie had three. And Spencer just looked really off to me. I don't know if this is how he's been this season. Uh, I thought he started out the season pretty damn well. He's only averaging 13.5 points a game. But I don't know if this is the ideal fit for him to play with Beal. And I think he's... The thing about Spencer is that he is not necessarily your traditional point guard. He's an attack-first guy that has thrived in situations where he kind of dominates the ball. And I think the way that Silas is trying to play is is moving the ball more. And I'm looking at his percentages this season. He's never been too efficient, but 39% from the field, you know, that's pretty poor, especially in this era. The 32 from three is pretty consistent with every single year of his career except for 2017, so that's not a real sample size to me because he wasn't really the same prominent role player 2018-19 I feel like is when he really or 2018 it looks like is when he first averaged double figures but 2019 he was huge in that D'Angelo Russell team to make the playoffs 
and he was fantastic in 2020 as well. I mean, 20 points a game before he got injured uh, in the early games, the first three games of the 2021 season last year. But it just, he looked off. Like he just, once again, I knew he was going to miss certain threes in that second half because he hadn't touched the ball in a minute and he's just spotting up. And I know Spencer's the kind of guy that likes to dribble off the bounce and get himself in rhythm that way. He, he can hit a catch and shoot three, but I think it's when he's when he's had some rhythm of, of being on the ball a little bit and attacking. And he just didn't get much going. And he, when he got the ball, he looked like, just like he didn't didn't look confident. Like he was passing up mid-ranges and making bad reads and like traveling. And he just looked sloppy. Like he just looked in his head overthinking things and we took advantage of all that but the funniest part is we didn't even like we outscored the wizards by 13 going into the fourth or or in the third but going into the fourth we're still down 18 points right we're still down 18 points or 17 and i think we did a great job closing the quarter though that was huge the way we closed the quarter because that gave us even more momentum going into the fourth and we closed it down. We cut it down to six. And I like how Ty just rode with the no Reggie, no Zoo, no Batum thing. And I love well, the one thing I love about our team is like they just root for each other. Like you can see them on the bench; they root for each other. And somebody that cannot get lost in the fold. I'm so happy I didn't forget about this. Jay Scrub, 17 minutes. He would no look, not looking like no scrub tonight. He was <laughs> hitting. He was one of two from three, three or four from the field, attacking, playing hard defense, and it was just a good energizer tonight for the clips eight points he was plus 16 in 17 minutes but luke Kennard, he was a sniper gang nuke repping shouts out to my man ernie trinity skate apparel check him out on twitter and his website clipper merch clip set check him out also so when it really gets down to it i thought though beal was going to take him home because beal when he came back into that fourth quarter he had a couple buckets and he had an n1 i believe and they put him up by like six, and I was like, okay, they're gonna ride it out. But and by the way, Montrader barking here and there with Isaiah. That was so funny. Screw that fool. Anyway. Uh six point game with fifteen seconds left. That may be almost as embarrassing as the thirty-five. Because you know what? Like, look, the Clippers came out with a lot of intensity, pressure in the ball, doing all the right things on defense. Every 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 coverage we did, you know, whether it was switching or Isaiah dropping and just contesting at the rim was just fantastic. Just high energy. We were flying all over the place. You know what I'm saying? Just making the Wizards play frantic. It's all about, like, you can just tell when guys are going through the motions and when guys just really are, are just playing with desperation, with nothing to lose. You know what I mean? Or not desperation. Literally with nothing to lose, I should say. Not desperation. We're not desperate for anything. Just playing with nothing to lose. Hard. And... It's just we, we just thrive in these roles, man. It's just the Clippers are an underdog franchise. We embrace these comebacks. I love being the team that's down. I hate being the team that's up. And Ty Lue just it just he just changed the game with that maneuver. It's just he's he's playing at a different level than some of these coaches. Not saying Wes Unsell necessarily. I mean it's not his fault, but Ty Lue's just so sharp. Like honestly, it's crazy because I've never been able to say unless until these last two years that I, I think the Clippers have an amazing coach I love my coach I love my GM and I love or president of basketball operations and I love my owner like I straight up love them they, they have the best interest in winning for the franchise and it's just it's an incredible position to be in because I just know what it feels like and I know other fans of other teams around every sport know what that feel that feels like and it's just amazing like the hands that we're in with Ty 
I couldn't be more thankful to Ty. Like, I honestly want us to win a championship so bad just for him. I know he's already won championships, but I want him to, like, be in the Hall of Fame so badly. Also because it's, it just shoves that stupid narrative that LeBron carried him to rank, to a ring. Like, oh, my God. That's another ulterior motive to that. But I just really want him to do it for his sake. But Luke Kennard, guys, with 11 seconds left in the game, he, this man hit a 40-footer. 40-footer. Like, go check out the highlights. I'm not even, like, exaggerating. He was 35, 40 feet. Steph Curry range. And then the unthinkable occurred. The Wizards committed a five-second violation. I'm not going to lie. It seemed a little quick. I didn't watch a replay back. But five-second violation after they almost committed a five-second violation underneath their own basket right before that, before Unseld called a, time, called a timeout. But then, to make matters worse, you know, we just seen, in the, I forget which game, it was just a couple, a couple days ago, I was talking about Steph Curry Against the, I think it was the Pacers where he where the where the Warriors didn't foul, and they got burned by Justin Holiday's three, and the Wizards tried to foul, and Luke Kennard hit a four point play. I mean, you can can you even script that shit? That sounds like some things that would happen to the Clippers. Luke Kennard four point play, <laughs> Beal with the foul, and he just threw it up and it went, and he was in his zone. He was just in his zone. Five of eight, five for eight from three for Nuke, eight of 13 from the field, and four of four from the line. 25 points, eight rebounds, six assists, plus 26, plus minus. And his defense this season has also gotten better. Just his energy. He looks like he's stronger, more confident. Nuke, man. Shamit ain't doing that. No disrespect to Landry, though. But he was playing that Alicia Keys Empire State of Mind the second he got traded. Come on, son. Where's my thank you, Clipper Nation? Come on. At the end of the day, man, let's be real. He may win a championship this year with the Suns. We'll see. But that moment where you made that shot, the part of my intro, that may end up being the biggest moment of your professional career, brother. Thank you. Thank Say thank you to our franchise. Thank you. And to the fans. But anyway, whatever. Uh, Sham Wow uh, is not on New Canard's planet. So let's talk about other players. Including Amir Coffee, the brewmaster, the the what is it that Brian the Seminator calls him, the the Brim Reaper, Seminator Brian he comes up with a lot of stuff, man, on the fly. Coffee to the cup. There was one the other day. Coffee pressed for time. He's he he's making this guy a household name over here. He's going chick hern. But anyway, Terrence Man. What a man, what a man, what a man, what a mighty good man. All over the place, man. All over the place. Second shot opportunities. He had to put back in the second half. Cutting off the ball. 16 points. Five boards, three assists, three steals. The brewmaster had a career-high 29 with five boards on 10 of 21 from the field. Three of nine from three, so a little, a little chuck happy, but... Hey, man, I can't complain because he got the job done. And then Isaiah, 16 points, 5 rebounds, and 6 assists. So good to have him back. Just so good to have him back. 6 of 12. Whoever, I hope we're the team that gets him, but whoever gets Isaiah Hardenstein next year, you don't even understand what you're getting. Any team could use an Isaiah. Any team. Um, But let's move on to the Lakers. So as for the Wizards, like, okay, it happens. Like, we'll see what happens to this team. I didn't think they were going to make the plan. So let's see if they regress to that. 
I think they should probably make the plan at this point. But here's the thing. Like, when the Knicks and the Hawks, and the Hawks are playing good basketball lately with DeAndre Hunter back, they could catch up. You know what I'm saying? Like, they could catch up. I think the Celtics are going to be a lock. They won by, like, 50 tonight, but that doesn't mean anything to me because the Celtics... They're just... Uh, it'll be interesting to see if they make any moves at the deadline. Let's move on to the Lakers, though, ladies and gents. What a win for the Clippers. So, by the way, just to end on the Clippers tonight, I'm so proud of the guys. We are going to make the plan, I think, even without Kawhi and Paul, even if they miss the whole season, because I just think that Ty Lue's going to have our guys prepared. We ha- we don't have any quit in our body. I think that the performances that we didn't really try very hard, like at home in some of the games I went to, go check the vlogs. Uh, without Paul, are actually going to be less because I feel like without Paul, everyone's like, okay, we got to step it up as a unit. And I think that brings this this uh, next man up mentality has been incredible with Ty. With Glenn, I can't even kid you not. In the 2017 season, it came to fruition the most. They were being very cautious with Chris and Blake throughout the season. And I was really pissed about this because I knew that that was our last chance with Lob City. I knew it the whole year. So I was very nervous that season. I wish I had a dime dropper like for, for these seasons, but... We'll do some rewinds or something. But my point is this. Every time Chris or Blake, and especially when both didn't play, we had no shot of beating anybody. We would lose to the crap at, like, the shitty Lakers back then. Go back to one of those Christmas games where we didn't have either and we just looked like garbage because we don't have a clue. Ty Lou has more clues than Blues. He is just the man. And he's the man with a lot of plans and adjustments to your plan. What a guy. Let's move on to the Clippers, though, eh? I mean, Lakers. So the Lakers tonight, huge news, huge. Anthony Davis is back a little bit sooner than I expected. And that's just music to every Laker fan's ear because their defense has just been pathetic without him. When you see, and by the way, so the starting lineup tonight, very interesting. I like it, actually, if I'm a Laker fan. AD at the five, big boy pants on, Stanley Johnson, LeBron James in the front court. Good defensive front court, a lot of length there, a lot of strength there. Eh. Never mind. Just LeBron, really. The other guys, I mean, Stanley Johnson's a good build for a three. And he can play the four in today's NBA. The four doesn't mean anything, though, in today's league. And then Anthony Davis is not exactly the bulky five. He kind of is just stretch the D. So it's the opposite of um the strength. But it's 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 solid size, though, nonetheless. Solid size. You got Three guys that are basically 6'8 and above and with great length and athleticism. And then the front and the backcourt, Russ and Avery Bradley. In my personal opinion, I think that despite the fact that he played great tonight, Avery Bradley had one of his best games of the season tonight, in my opinion. I think that it's honestly not even necessary for him to play, really. I think you should start Malik Monk and or Reeves and bring one of them off the bench. I know it's like, okay, I don't want to start Malik Monk because he's so great off the bench for that energizer bunny that he is which I understand, but then there's the, I don't want to start a rookie with Austin Reeves because he, he benefits probably of you know, letting the game get going a bit and then coming in, playing against the second stringers. Because in the playoffs, you don't want a rookie. He's going to be nervous. Like it's, it's not, He's not going to be ready for that as a starter, in my opinion. Even though he plays very fearless, it's a different ballgame. It's a different ballgame. I can see why Frank doesn't want to do that. But I think Avery Bradley... And I'm not as harsh as on Avery as a lot of Clipper fans were when he was with us because I just love the way he plays defense. 
He's definitely even lost a step from that Avery Bradley. Like, he's lost a step from the Avery Bradley we saw in the 2020 season before he he didn't want to go to the bubble. But like you guys will remember, he had a really good season that year. That was his best season in a while. He made his threes for the most part. He was really good in first quarters. And he played really solid defense on a lot of guys' best defenders. Him and KCP and Caruso just did a hell of a job that season for them. And, yeah, Avery tonight was good, though. He stripped James Harden twice in the first quarter. He knocked down open shots all night. And he even hit some shots coming off curls and screens, like moving to his right. And when he's hitting shots like that and he's playing defense, it's a pro, that's a plus every time. That's what you expect from him. Or not really expect from him, but that's what, that's what the coach ideally would expect from him. Nine points for him, four of eight from the field, one of three from three two steals, the two rips on Harden, as I mentioned. But when, when when it comes to the start of the game, the the thing that obviously caught everybody's eye was Anthony Davis caught a lob on the very first play that he had to go up for. And he, he stretched up high for that one. Great pass by Braun. And when you see that as a Laker fan on the first play, it's like, oof. And then he gets the ball on the next play. And one-on-one, isolation, no dribble, rise, mid-range, cash. And it just reminds you. And then what's funny is I saw this. the Nets strategy apparently was to put. And by the way, I need to mention for anybody that didn't watch the game, the Nets were so shorthanded. I didn't even know some of the players. Shout out to Pepperdine Wave, Kessler Edwards, straight out of Los Angeles County. At Awanda High School, I believe. I could be wrong on that. Check me if I'm wrong on the chat. Ashwipe, if you're still in here, check me on that. But... It's so great to see Kessler start. I know he's not a starter on the in the, on the Nets. I don't even know if he's going to be a rotation player in the playoffs. But the fact that he's even starting right now, good for him. But it also shows how shorthanded the Nets are. No Joe Harris. No Kyrie Irving because he can't play home games because he won't get the jab. Come on, Kyrie. You know, now that the Clippers are kind of out of the championship picture, which I'm assuming, assuming, don't want to be a negative Nancy, but I'm just being realistic here. I would rather... Look, when I put my expectations low, Clippers always come through. When I put my expectations high, Clippers always let me down. So, they're not coming back this year. Let's just leave it at that for now. And, honestly, I hate Harden, though. That's the thing. I don't want to see them win just because of Harden. Plumber Jim, he just can't win. He just cannot. Not on my watch. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I can't do anything about it. But I just don't want him to win because of that. I really, I don't mind Kyrie and KD as much as most. But I want to see the Nets actually have a chance. Like, let's be real here. I'm not saying that this is a fact. But I'm saying this, guys. KD was asked many times throughout the season if he thought he was playing too many minutes or getting played too many minutes. And he said, no, I'll die on the court. I'm not worried about minutes. I missed a year of basketball. But he got hurt. Maybe it was too much. And maybe if a certain someone didn't make somebody play so much harder and more minutes than he needed to by just taking the vac, getting the vaccine, it's not about to me like, oh, yeah, my body, my choice. It's not even about that to me. Bro, you're holding back your team and your fans from winning a championship, dude. You are a lot of people are like, there's a lot of Nets fans out there that want to see you win a championship. You never won a chip. The Nets, like team game, team over player, just a team sport. Like, come on, man. I get it. But, like, I don't care about the Nets. It's just very unfortunate to see. I, let's see if let's see what he does, though, come playoff time. I'd be shocked if he continues to do that. That'd be insanely I'd be, I, In my opinion, up there with one of the most selfish things that's ever been done. Because, oh, 
there's a lot of you're not just playing for yourself, man. Anyway, let's talk about so yeah, no Joe Harris, no Kyrie, no KD. You got Kessler Edwards, <laughs> a guy that I've never even heard of. I'm not gonna lie, guys. Dayron Sharp. He's 20 years old. Damn, he was born in 2001. November of 2001. My God, I'm feeling... So, okay, that feels so old. Anyways. And then DeAndre Bembry, James Harden, and, and Patty Mills. And yeah, so like as I said, Anthony Davis came out starting very strong with those first two buckets. But the Nets, funny enough, were attacking him in the pick and roll. And they were do, Lakers were doing a lot of late switching. So like when that's when Harden gets downhill and AD is in drop coverage, but he ends up taking him, and then Harden will pull it back out, and it's AD on him. And AD did a great, a very good job, even though he did pick up some fouls, a really good job of just doing his thing, cutting off all the airspace that, like, even a Dwight Howard would give on, on pick-and-roll situations. You know, he's just, he's just, Anthony Davis is a master when he's locked in of, being in between ball handler and the roller in, in drop coverage. You know, he, he plays both men so well. He has the length to take away the pass, the passing angles. And he has the length to also, when the pass is thrown, recover as well. And he was doing a little bit of that. Got two blocks, one on help defense, one in the situation I just talked about, both against Harden. And he, he you could just see, in his one-on-one defense as well, he, he just makes such a difference on that defensive end. And I liked, I really liked the way AD played in that first quarter. Other than that, though, I really think that he he looked like he was on a minutes restriction. You know, he only shot eight shots. So, and he was three of eight. And as I said, he was started off two of two. So the problem is, though, those shots, they came too spaced out. He had lost rhythm. He'd been sitting out for a minute. So, like, it was hard for him to gain rhythm. I thought the Lakers, honestly, at times didn't go to him enough as well. But... It's going to come with time. The important thing is he also he also didn't help him, himself getting into foul trouble. But I want to say James Harden did play really exceptionally well in that first quarter. He had like 15 points. He was getting to the rim at will and just dominating because he had, you know, he, you knew the offense was going to run through him. He was going to get in pick and roll. However, I just find it so frustrating and annoying that this guy, and I don't watch every Nets game this season. Like I watched a lot more last season. They were a dime dropper team. But I cannot stand that this guy like has the audacity to complain about fouls. Every time I watch him play, even after the beginning of the season where they were giving him, you know, they were being stricter on him, he gets every single call like relative to other stars. It's absurd. I can't stand watching him play basketball. Like I really can't stand it. He every time I watch him have the ball and he's isolating, it looks or or honestly going downhill, it looks like either I'm anticipating a foul in the next 5 seconds. I'm anticipating either him to flail for a foul if he doesn't get it or somebody fouls him and he's just complaining the whole time. Sometimes it just feels like he's not playing basketball anymore. But nonetheless, he still had a great first quarter. He was making some great reads and he made some amazing passes when he stopped his dribble on the on the pick and roll and was like pressure and still found guys under the underneath the basket. And I like, you know what? On the subject of the Lakers not feeding Anthony Davis enough throughout the game, I thought they did feed him early, but they just kind of went away from it. And Russell Westbrook was the big sacrifice guy in this game, especially in the first half. I thought he he really just did a good job of just letting him letting him letting Anthony Davis and LeBron do their thing. And 
LeBron scored a couple points in transition early, and I think that's one thing the Lakers did really well is the energy on defense was good, and because of Anthony Davis and the fact that they ended the quarter well, really, was the Lakers. Because Anthony Davis just changed the entire defensive shape of the Lakers. You know what I'm saying? Like, he really changes everything. And when the Lakers can get out and run and get some easy baskets like they were getting, that all starts on the defensive end. And that's something that they got to look to do more. And that takes everybody committing. You know, that takes chemistry and that takes staying on the court, which we need to see if the Lakers big three can continue to do that. But that just takes effort as well. And LeBron and Melo ended the quarter very well when Anthony Davis came out. Melo came in and hit two contested shots, one three, one turnaround over his left shoulder from the right corner. And then LeBron got in transition, got all the way. There was one time where he just went around a traffic cone, a.k.a. James Harden, and had a nice switch to his left-hand layup. It was just beautiful. I loved LeBron's approach tonight. I thought he was not too ball-dominant, and he picked his spots well and scored in transition. I thought, obviously, he started to put on a little bit of a show later in the game, but in the first half, ending of the first quarter, I thought he was really good. And the Lakers were twelve to no- up 12 to nothing in fast break points in the first quarter. And then a guy that came in and just really, really pushed the Lakers to victory tonight was Malik Monk. He's just been playing fantastic basketball. And Asher said that in the preview as well, the season preview, that Malik Monk was going to be a very, very, very good player for the Lakers. And he's been easily a top five player for the Lakers this season. He was spraying. Like he was just hitting every three, you know, whether it was off the catch, on the move, deep, three feet behind the line. It's exact even when it late with a contest, like you know, a good contest, close good closeout. It's exactly what we saw at Kentucky. It's exactly what we saw at Kentucky, and he's doing it right now for the Lakers. And despite the fact that he's kind of inconsistent, he's more consistent than the Lakers <laughs> inconsistent players. Frank, though, Vogel for like two minutes took out all three of the big three, and the Lakers went from a 14-point lead to 10. But I will say, by the way. LeBron, very good defensive game overall, in my opinion. Second half better than the first, for sure. When he plays one-on-one defense, though, whether it's like in the post or, uh, you know, against face-up players in the perimeter, whenever he has good defensive possessions, and I say this about a lot of players, but like mainly, I'm talking like LeBron as far as like goats and great defensive players, he always uses a lot of hands. That's, I'm not saying that to hate. He just does. Like that play today where Aldridge was on him and the, like he was guarding Aldridge in the post. I'm surprised he didn't call a foul like three seconds later. Like he kept, he like the slap was clean, but then he kept pushing him like with his hand. Like it's. Just, I just think that he uses a, a big time use of hands with that, and people gas it. Like like for example, the the first game when we in the bubble, the regular season game in the bubble, when he was guarding clamped Kawhi. He was using a lot of hands. And LeBron, I'll tell you this, when he hand checks, he's pretty locked down because he's a fucking strong-ass motherfucker. Like, whoa. hell yeah. But I just wanted to say that about his one-on-one defense. But I'm going to say some things in the second half about his rotations. Austin Reeves, by the way, another fantastic shift. Just fantastic. Doing all the right things. Moves the ball. Moves without the ball. High IQ. moves. And speaking of somebody who plays great defense without hands and without fouling, Austin Reeves. He literally, I don't want to just say the white guy thing with Caruso, but he does have one thing in common with Caruso is that he plays great lateral defense without fouling. He use, you know, he knows angles well. He he uses his body well, and he gains, he draws a lot of charges just by just by anticipating his 
the offensive players' movements. And he even did it with James Harden, you know, one of the best one-on-one players of his era tonight. And the Lakers in the second quarter was pretty pretty back and forth. Like, it wasn't much to talk about. It was a nine-point Laker lead at half. Third, the only reason the Nets were staying in the game, despite the lack of talent that they had, like when Harden went out of the game, it was just it was ugly. Offensive rebounds. You know, that's the thing about the Lakers. I think part of it was because they were in they were really actually their defensive effort was up and they were kind of scrambling and closing out hard and a little all over the place. Uh in terms of like when the shot went up on defense and the Nets just got some balls that bounced to them, you know, long misses that bounced to them. But also just a little bit, you know, they're a little hungry on the glass. And by the way, Nick Claxton wasn't 100%, so he came off the bench tonight, and he's been great whenever I watch the Nets this season. But as far as the Lakers and the offensive rebounds, that was keeping the Nets in the game. The Lakers didn't come out too sharp to start the third, in my opinion. But when AD AD picked up foul trouble and went out, I think that LeBron did a pretty good job of getting into the mid-range area. And I will say this about LeBron this season. Of of all the years he's been on the Lakers, I think this year his scoring diversity has been the strongest. I think he is a little three-point happy because he is getting older and he's preserving himself. And plus, he has been shooting the ball really well. So honestly, you can't be too mad at that. It's just that the thing about it is, my only thing with Braun is when he shoots threes, like don't shoot a bunch of threes when you're dribbling a lot. When it's off the catch or like one or two dribbles, like walking into it, which he's starting to hit that walk into a three in transition, which that's like Kevin Durant-esque style shot. And that's something that he he has had over the course of his like last couple of years, like second tenure in Cleveland. But on a, like I haven't seen it too much in a Laker uniform. And it's 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 nice when he goes in for sure. But I like his scoring diversity this season because I like that he's getting more in the post, and I like that he's going to that turnover the right shoulder. There was one play today where he he went to he was being guarded by James Johnson in the first half. He went right to the left block, spin over the right shoulder layup. There was another play where he saw Kessler Edwards. He said, "Oh, rookie, weight room, go right in, all lower body too, not even in a push off or anything, clean, and one." So I really like that scoring diversity from Braun there. That's the thing. We saw a little bit of that last season before he got injured. And then in the playoffs, I, I'd figure that like in the mid post would be easier for you. But he went back to that top of the key nonsense in the playoffs. So the way he's scoring right now is great. And I thought Russ did a really good job of actually being okay with being without the ball today. And he had this one really nice flash middle, a great bounce pass, pocket pass by Braun. And Russ laid it in. I, I don't know if it was an N one. I think it was an N one in the third quarter, and I thought it that all came from Braun putting on pressure in the mid-range. And this is what I say when people say that these idiots on Twitter with this narrative about Michael Jordan and zone defenses and how loading up is something that he didn't see. No, watch the tape. If you have a, a contested mid-range, that's why you, I mean, that's how you, one, one counter to loading up. You don't need to go into the secondary defender that's poaching, waiting there for you. You can rise and pull. And that's what LeBron did tonight. And then when guys cut, when they everybody's worried about you pulling or driving and are in the right spots, flashing in the middle, not just standing at the perimeter around the court where you have to throw cross-court long passes and it's easier to rotate as a defense, it, puts more, it, it makes it easier for the guy on the ball to pass. And Nico Batum is fantastic at this, by the way. That flash middle when, when guys are loading up on Kawhi and Paul. But... Russ did a good job of that, and Russ had a very solid game tonight. He took it to the rim a couple times, a couple times again. Speaking of a guy that doesn't get a good whistle in the league, Russ doesn't get a great whistle. Like compared to what Harden gets, it's just pathetic. But 
Russ did finish pretty decently tonight. Seven for 14. Overall, an efficient shooting night. 50% for Russell Westbrook. So let's give him some hands there. Uh, I'm, I'm not Russell Westbrook's harshest critic at all. I'm, I'm a big fan of his. So I know I'm not being sarcastic there. So give him some, give him some round of applause for that. 15.6 rebounds, four assists. Again, though, big sacrifice, though. He was really not on the ball as much as, as usual. And LeBron, in the fourth quarter, put on a show. You know, in my opinion, he really closed the deal with his sharp rotations. He had two interceptions in a row and a dunk. And all the Laker fanboys and fans in that building, because I know the Nets just in Brooklyn, it doesn't seem like they have that strong of a fan base. A lot of road fans all season long. I know the Lakers, though, will have road fans wherever they go. But, like, shit, dude, across the country, it's not like Staples Center. But it was sounding like it at some point, like like as if they were playing the Clippers at a Clipper home game because, oof, LeBron, when he was on those breaks, sounded loud. But when LeBron, and that's the thing, guys, when LeBron puts in an effort on defense. Like, you saw that zone he got into on defense. It reminded me of that zone he got into for that stretch of the second half of one of the bubble playoff games against the Rockets, where he was every rotation was sharp. If he was needing to switch on to somebody, he was getting low and, like, really locked in. When he's Here's the thing about the thing I said about his use of hands. Here's the thing, though. When he's hand-checking and shit, and they don't call it, who gives a fuck? You know what I'm saying? Like, he's locked in. That shows that he's locked in. And... He was locked in for some stretches of this fourth quarter. And I like that. When LeBron enjoys playing defense, it's contagious. Because think about it if you're his teammates. Oh my God, 37-year-old LeBron is playing defense like this after all the minutes he's played and the years he's played in this league. What do I look like if I'm not playing defense? And that's why everybody needs to stop freaking getting so caught up in that 30 points he's averaging or whatever. And I know that's impressive. He is the best 37-year-old. He is the best year 19 player that's ever played. But that's not what matters. The Lakers are not winning games good at a well enough rate, at a good enough rate. But what will change is if he plays consistently on that type of energy on defense. Maybe he can't do it for a whole game. But if he can just play sharper on defense the way he did tonight every single game and not hold the ball as long like he did tonight, it will pay dividends. Because here's the thing, though. You're also going to have to get AD incorporated, and you're going to play better teams than this. So that's what makes it hard because the Lakers did do a lot of good things tonight. Avery Bradley, Austin Reeves, Malik Monk, who had 22 points on 7 of 13 shooting and 6 of 12 from 3. But it's about consistency. So that's it for me tonight, guys. I've gone on long tonight. It was a long recap for sure. Jesus Christ. But now it's time to go to the live subscribers. A reminder to check out my latest videos, my uh collaboration with my boy Fabian Knicks fan go give him a, a follow and a subscription but what went wrong with the mellow era Knicks everything about the mellow era Knicks part one was released we went through the background of it and then of course my recent video on the time machine Oscar Robertson's first game as a buck and Pistol Pete's first game in the league has more views than the Knicks won the championship dime dropper time machine number three the game seven of the finals so go take a look at that if you're interested in that I would really appreciate it and I'll see you guys if you want to talk tomorrow in, in the Twitter space. I may be live tomorrow. By the way, shouts out to the LA Rams, of course, again. Let's go to the live subscribers. Wait, no so patiently in the chat. Super chats are turned on. If you want to drop a dollar or a dime, make a donation for your boy. Peace out and have a great night. Go Clippers.